Hello and welcome to the Main Course Podcast presented by Stake Worldwide. I am your host, Jake Stanley, and I'm joined today by my good friends, Dakota Edgar. Yo! Josie Francis. Hey, guys. And our special guest this week, Solo Sam. Today we're going to be talking about our new releases such as Nas and Vic Mensa, some recent news such as the ongoing Megan Thee Stallion Tory Lane situation and the 2020 XXL freshman class. We're planning on closing up the show with some quick community questions and an interview with our very own Solo Sam. Feel free to email any questions for the future to podcast at stakeworldwide.com. But first, before we dive into any of that, I want to take a moment to acknowledge the Jacob Blake situation and some of the stuff coming out of Wisconsin. Um, so I just want to encourage everyone to stay involved, get involved, and you know, literally everything helps. Just you know, every dollar, every post, anything you can do. So you know, just making sure you're staying plugged in and you know, doing what you can. Um, and so before we move forward, I think, Dakota, we had some follow-ups from last week's episode. Yeah, so uh, Josie, the people have been waiting, and, and now it's time to reveal who, who was in your day one Spotify club. Results are in, guys. Um, the most excited one was No Name. I was thrilled to see her name pop up on my list. Like Jake was saying last week about Mac Miller, like I was hoping I was, you know, in the top percent. Uh, so having Spotify tell me that was pretty cool. And then the other ones were Travis Scott and Post Malone. Um, Kind of surprised about the Travis Scott one just because I don't listen to him as much as I maybe used to for him to show up on that list, but obviously still cool, and I love Post Malone. So, yeah, thanks for um, bringing that up. Those are the results. Yeah, and uh, talking about, you know, old Travis Scott, we actually wanted to hit on some some pretty cool project anniversaries that took place last week. So first being Travis Scott's Day Before Rodeo mixtape. Uh, this was this was the mixtape that he dropped right before his first album Rodeo that kind of propelled him, uh, you know, into his in his star like status uh, that you know we we've kind of come uh, become accustomed to with him over the last few years. Uh, another massive one four years ago last week was also Frank Ocean's Blonde album. Um, there's obviously a massive debate surrounding uh, whether Blonde or or Channel Orange is is the album that takes the cake as Frank's kind of best body of work. Personally, I'm a I'm a Channel Orange person myself. I don't I don't know what you guys think or have any thoughts there. Yeah, I feel that I have a lot of nostalgia for Channel Orange. I feel like it definitely came. I mean, you know, junior year of high school. Like, I mean, you know, yep. an important time, and definitely a lot of my favorite albums to date are from that era. But I think the more that I listen to Blonde, you know, it's I mean, just continued to grow on me, right? For the last you know whatever four or five years it's been now, and it's definitely grown to be one of my favorite albums. Um, it definitely has higher highs, in my opinion, than Channel Orange, even if every single song on Channel Orange is important to me. I would agree. Channel Orange, for me, when Thinking About You released, I remember like when that came out. And yeah, both. it's like really hard to compare the two, and both have big bangers on them, and I love both albums. But yeah, I think Channel Orange, and especially because it's kind of like his first big project that was like kind of iconic in a way so that'd be my vote too and i would have a, I would definitely say channel orange i remember um it was kind of like post the odd future kind of like phase where like frank ocean started to break off as his own entity so like that was right after nostalgia ultra so i like hella rock with the project uh, group consensus there you yeah, go on that note let's uh let's talk about <laughs> some uh some stuff that dropped this last week um, so Jake, I don't know if you want to, you want to hit on a couple, couple of pieces first here. Yeah, I think, and you know, I, Sam, you're obviously from Chicago, but the tape that I was most interested in this week was the Vic Mensa tape. Um, because I feel yeah. like, 
you know, Vic, it's really been a rocky road the last couple of years with the guy. Um, I was a huge Vic Mensa oh, fan, sure. you know, senior year of high school, going into college, um, you know, internet tape, obviously huge for me. I, you know, some of my favorite songs ever. Uh, but then, you know, since then, it's been a, it's been kind of an inconsistent situation with him. Um, you know, Feel That, Down in My Luck were bangers. Um, and that was a great era on SoundCloud. Um, and I actually saw him play live. Um, it was like 95 degrees. And I remember he was in like a full leather suit. And I was just, just <laughs> really looking out of place in downtown LA. But, uh, but it was cool. And then going from that to signing with, uh, you know, Rock Nation and then doing the Kanye collabs and No Chill with Skrillex and everything. Um, and then, you know, the most recent release, which was kind of like almost a punk rock inspired album. Uh, it was really nice to see him kind of get back to the to the hip hop roots a little bit. Um, you know, I think that in a lot of ways it feels like he's channeling that like J. Cole kind of energy. You know, it, it doesn't sound very Chicago to me, the album. It's very reminiscent of like, you know, um, any of the early the come up or any of the early J. Cole stuff. Um, both in, you know, in his bars and, you know, the way he's delivering his lyrics as well as in actual production, kind of like the loose soul samples and stuff. But, you know, I thought it was a cool album. And I mean, I really liked. Um, uh, Vendetta, the opening track, and then the Bethlehem SC Freestyle was really dope. Um, I was also wondering, like, is this St. John's first feature since Roses, you know, broke top 10? Um, which I thought was kind of like a weird way for St. John to kind of follow up that <laughs> chart topper. Um, but I think, like, my least favorite song, but the one that reminds me most of a lot of Vic Mensa's last couple of years is really Rebirth, um, where he spends a lot of his time kind of chopping up and talking about his disappointments and stuff. It's, it's really like my least favorite kind of song from an artist. Um, you know, like, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but songs for artists, uh, and I like honesty in music, obviously. Um, but there's a certain point where it's like, they're really dwelling on the past or like mistakes that they've made. You know what I mean? And it's like, you almost just like feel kind of just listening to it. You know, I don't know how to explain that feeling, but it's like, do you want me to pity you? Or like, you know, what, what is it that you're trying to inspire from, from the audience? You guys, anyone else listen to the tape? Am I just talking into the ether right now? Um, no, 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 I definitely did. Um, I think, you know, just being here in Chicago and like people hearing the project, a lot of it was reminiscent of, like you said earlier, you know, Big Mensa. I think he got to a place that, I mean, everybody and he himself wasn't happy about. Um, but, you know, he, I feel like he delivered on the project. And like, yeah, I feel, I feel your, your sentiment on like people you know, talking about the past and how it could be depressing. But like, I think there's a time and place. And for him, technically it was the time because he had to talk about like, he kind of like to a lot of people has been tweaking and he kind of has to like come back to, you know, reconcile all of that before just introducing a project. And he has, I feel like he's aware and it sounds like in the project, he's aware he has a lot of, you know, things he has to fix to gain back some of his fans. Um, yeah, you know, I was I was glad to hear, you know, Vic Mensa, he's a vital part of, no matter how you feel about him, he's a vital part of, you know, the Chicago scene. You could see that he even gave Chance the Rapper that forefront. You know, he helped Definitely. push him to that platform. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I never want to wish ill will on anybody. So it was good Definitely. to see him, like, you know, center himself. So, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like he got out of L.A. a little bit, you know. I feel like he's really been posted up on that scene for the last couple of years, so it's refreshing to hear him over. Like, yeah, that's every. I feel like every Chicagoan goes out to L.A. like gets like hyped up on it all, and then comes back and it's like, nah, man, it's not the move. Like, 
I have so many friends who are like, yo, bro, just come out here for a year. And I'm like, nah, I'm not. You're not going to get me. <laughs> I'm playing that game. On that trap. <laughs> the, other, the other track you know, I was listening to a little bit this week, and, and really music video, was the new Pharrell Jay-Z track, uh, Entrepreneur, um, which I'll, I'll be honest, not my favorite song in the world. And, you know, I don't know if it's me just realizing more and more that, like, you know, I love nerd and stuff, but I'm not the biggest Frail fan of all time. Um, but it's also that, like, 2008 Jay-Z, which is, like, not my favorite, like, the motivational speaker Jay-Z, uh, which is not yeah. my favorite Jay-Z in general. Uh, but the music video is really cool. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Um, but, but it just highlights a bunch of, like, you know, small black-owned businesses and kind of, you know, all the struggles they had to go through to kind of, you know, come up. Um, it's a really cool video. But, yeah, the, the, the song really they definitely made the video before the song, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like. I feel that. Definitely different vibes. A little I haven't bit. seen it yet, but it sounds very relevant for definitely. right now. I'll have to go. I'll have to watch it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they definitely could have filmed the video totally, like, without ever having heard the song. Like, they're not really yeah, bad that's... tied together. I mean, like, Pharrell is, like, good for, like, he's kind of, like, equivalent to me, where, like, Common's good for, like, a social justice song. Yeah. You know, like where Pharrell is like, he has this kind of center where if somebody can come to him and like, we need a Pharrell type song, he'll just give people what sounds like a Pharrell type song. And then Jay-Z was doing his thing where he's telling people to invest money and, you know, buy the block back. Like that, like he loves doing that shit. Like he didn't <laughs> sell drugs back in the day, but yeah. So. <laughs> Interesting that, you know, I think good segue talking about Jay-Z. Uh, we know that his his old rival, Nas, uh, just released his his new project, King's Disease. Um, you know, I thought this project was super cool, a little bit different than his last project. I think, you know, kind of a little more uh, commercial appeal. You know, the, the project that he dropped two years ago, Nasir, which was just the seven-track uh, tape with, with Kanye that Kanye produced. Um, you know, that was very kind of, it felt like, you know, really for like, just mainly hip hop heads, you know, you, you watch the video from the little release party and it's just him with eight of his boys standing in a circle like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, I think, you know, has a little bit more range to it. Obviously, you know, he's got some pretty big names on here for features. The song with Big Sean and Don Tolliver is cool. The Anderson Pack song is pretty cool. Uh, the Firm reunion on here is pretty sweet. I know Jake was excited about that. Yeah, big AZ fan. Um, and uh, obviously... They've, they've all, he's also got the the little Dirk feature on here too, which you know, two weeks in a row, I feel like pretty pretty big placements for Dirk and Sam. I know we're talking, we, we're bringing up a lot of Chicago guys, but you know, you oh. provide some perspective here, I'm sure. Man, I feel like uh, you know, I tweeted about it, but you know, it's always great to see like Chicago artists get that kind of global representation that we hold them to, you know. So seeing him like. I was not expecting him to be on this Nas project. Like I was not expecting him to have a Drake first. And I feel like he really did, you know, sadly to say not only outlast, but like outlive a lot of people who came around that time. Yeah. Uh, so it's been great Very to true. see it. And, you know, I, I think Nas in this project, you can tell the influence, like Hit Boy, if I'm correct, yep. executive produced like all of it. And, you know, Hit Boy probably got in the studio and was just like, just trust me, like you need some new people on your projects. You can't just kind of be like, I'm Nas, I'm the rap legend and just rap off songs. Like you need to yeah. start getting some of these collabs in. So, yeah, I mean, he's been sure. kind of doing that for like 20 years um, to, you know, varying yeah. degrees of success and mostly decreasing degrees yeah. of success. So, um, yeah, it's definitely the first time I've heard of Hit Boy in a little while, too, I feel like. 
you know, I, I, he had this crazy wave after uh, Watch the Throne came out, you know what I mean, where it was, he was launching his own rap career, he, you know, he launched the label and everything, and, you know, he was doing that for five or six years, and I feel like the last year or two, it's, it's been a lot quieter from his camp. Um, so it's kind of exciting uh, to see him come back with Nas, I feel like, right? Hit, nah, Hit Boy, like, for a Hit Boy as an artist, like a rapper, yeah, of course. Right. But Hit Boy as a producer, nah, bro. He's, he's been out here. Like, if, I can't off top say it, but, like, if you were to go look at, like, Wikipedia and Hit Boy, you'd be surprised how many songs he's either produced or, like, executive produced or been a part of it, like, from, like, Beyonce to Drake, like, He's had a hand in a lot of Drake songs and a lot of singles, but he's, uh, yeah, he's doing well. He's eating for sure. I think he no, tweeted no, a yeah, day definitely. ago. He's like, what if I told you I made like a million selling beats this, like in this year. So like the past five months. I just think it's crazy that like, he hasn't been running the, you know, the, cause like he had this crazy press train, right? Like he was, you know, it was like the wonder girl thing where it's just like constant. It's like, Oh, this is produced by, you know, hit boy. And then, like, that's really all fallen, like, he's really fallen, not off, but, like, just back, you know, kind of behind, like, I don't know, cover or something. Like, he's just hiding behind the scenes a little bit uh, more than he was in the past, which is, like, an interesting change in his uh, strategy, I feel like. Oh, well, yeah, just two more projects I want to call out that I've been listening to a lot. Derez Deshaun, Pain 3. I'm a big fan of Derez Deshaun. Ever since that, that Hardaway song dropped, like, man, that was probably, like, four years yeah. ago now, but... I'm I'm a big fan of that kind of kind of ghetto gospel, you know, kind of sound and vibe. So Derez Deshaun, Pain Three, check that out. And then also the new Duckworth album, super good, yeah, pretty cool. Good. I didn't like it quite as it's much as good. the last one. Yeah, I didn't like it quite as much as the last one, but it's still, I mean, it's still cool. It just has a really dope like organic sounds. You know what I mean? Like just yeah, feels very um, you know tangible. I don't know how to describe it better. Um, but yeah, no big fan. Josie. Yeah, I'm going to throw on my alternative plugs. Um, oh. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know Alex Astronaut. She's like a Australian singer-songwriter. She had a pretty big song, I think, in like 2016 or 2017. And she just came out with her first debut album. Um, kind of like folk poppy. Uh, I've only listened to it one time through, so i got to like run it a few more times to figure out my favorites. But... I like her her style and her sound a lot. And then Lecrae, I don't know if you guys know him, but he came out with a new album this past week too, I think, or previous week. Um, some good features. John Legend is on there. Uh, Mark Bassey's on there. There's a few others. But, yeah, just some, some things I've been listening to, throw in the mix. I was thinking I should, like, maybe the playlist that I'm going to make, because you guys already have your playlist to plug. Right. Maybe the playlist that I'll make, because I think Kara said it too about like including what we talk about in the podcast, right. like on a, on a on like a list for you guys who are listening to like tune along. So maybe I'll make either my podcast or my podcast, my playlist or a separate one where like we can kind of compile all the things that we mention throughout our episodes. So for the yeah. listeners, you guys can like easily tune in without having to search all them. Just something we can maybe figure out. But I feel like I always throw in random ones and people are like, what? so <laughs> yeah and just a quick plug from there check out our playlists um we've got medium rare we've got dac wave radio um josie's got a playlist coming soon i'm sure sam's got some playlists somewhere um check them all out on our website stakeworldwide.com or in the, our bio on instagram sam what have you been listening to oh man um so i'm a big uh chef g fan for sure um he's from new york and he has a project like the unlucky lucky kid and uh, yeah, he's he's 
pretty fire. And then another one I would say is, uh, have you guys ever heard of Liana Le Havis? Mm, I don't think so. Oh. No. Yo, she, she, yo, hard. She is amazing. <laughs> she's, thir she's 31 years old and like. What genre? She, um, that kind of like neo soul indie folk. Um, and she kind of, I would say like she's in that lineage of like that Snow Allegra kind of department, sure. but she just released like her project that like she did with her label. I think it's like called Liana La Havis, but uh, it's it's a really good project. She's an amazing singer. And I wouldn't be surprised if like a year from now you hear about her like you did Georgia Smith or like um, uh, Callie, you know, I don't even know how to say the yeah. second half of her name. So, yeah, Kelly Uchis. But um, yeah, so Liana La Havis, she's dope. Dope. Should we also take a moment to plug uh, your most recent single, Sam? I was about Hot to Box. say. Hotbox featuring Michael Christmas. People oh, know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, check out Hotbox. Liana. Uh, yeah. Check out Hotbox <laughs> featuring Michael Christmas. <laughs> uh, on Sacred Wide and all DSPs, you know. It was a, a deal. happy to have it out. More music on the way. You know, just working right now. Sir. All right. Well, let's keep it moving. I think... Uh, we wanna we wanna break in our, our new feature here, the Michelin or McDonald's. So essentially, kind of the premise here is you know we'll we'll put you know our guests moving forward on the spot for you know just few songs that dropped this week, and we kind of want to get their their taste right. Michelin is it fire or McDonald's is it just mid grade? So Sam, and if you haven't caught on, it's like a food theme. We're steak worldwide. It's the main course. Just tying it all together here. Yeah, just thank you, Joe Dots. Yeah. I appreciate the context. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Sam, so you ready? Yeah. You listen to this new Lil Tecca Somebody song? I did. I, What'd you think? Uh, I would give him, you know, uh, you know, he's young. I'll give him Michelin, you know. Okay, I feel like I feel like when it comes to, like, just younger artists and, like, uh, younger sound, so many people are so quick to be like, oh, it's garbage. But, like, man's a kid. You know, he's still growing. He's still figuring out what he likes, so... I'm never gonna hate on it, so you know, I'll give him. I love that. You know, yeah. Oh yeah. I do respect that. Uh, Future and Sway Lee track, thrusting. That shit is garbage. Uh, that it. shit is McDonald's. <laughs> it's McDonald's. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. I'm gonna tell you why. Because like one, one thing I hate the most, like when it comes down to music, is when you set out to make the exact replica of a song you released. Yeah, go listen forever. to Unforgettable. Go listen to this. Go listen to Unforgettable with uh, Sway Lee and uh, French. French Montana. Go listen to this right after, and it's the exact same song. And I mean, like, it's not like, oh, it sounds like the same. No, cap. <laughs> I don't <know>. cap. Uh, <laughs> one, one, the drum pattern is the exact same. They're like, exact same. The chords on it are damn near the same chord progressions. And three, of course, Sway Lee singing whole bunch of reverb. It's just, yeah. it's literally the same. And then Future comes in to be the difference, which he's not. So yeah, it's McDonald's for sure. Like they, I mean, you should have put uh, Lemonade on there with Don Tolliver. That song right. is fire off that, off that internet money. Uh, yeah. Record. Some strong feelings. Oh yeah. I mean, 
<laughs> that's it. That's my any anytime I hear a song that's like uh let's try and do it twice. That that's like my biggest pet peeve. You remember uh bake sale? I feel uh, you. Travis oh Scott was Bake oh. Sale was that was just antidote, just bake sale was just ran it back again. Oh my god. Yes. I was and like I, said, I, that, I told all my friends that and I was and they were like, No, it's not. I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Listen to it. But you know what? It's funny sale. because like you you being like I told all my friends that it's released because there are a group of people who would not give a not knocking you jealous, but there are a group of people who would just be like, Man, that sounded like what I already liked. So hell yeah, I yeah. With it, you know? so, yeah, you know, I know. You're like you're spot on. Like before the song even really got into it, I was like singing unforgettable because it literally is the exact same beat but i love that song and this was just like a softer easier version and when future came in i was like okay but i totally see your point of view too so what do you guys think jake and I know. Uh, yeah what's are up we allowed to curse? i'm just gonna edit it out don't stress okay i'm just i'm writing down all the curse words over here <laughs> oh because I, I was like i said it and i was like can we curse and you were like no <laughs> so we're not allowed to i feel that's funny. Now, I think like some of the funniest moments in general are when people curse. So, like, don't hold yourself back from cursing. You know what I mean? It's just like I'm gonna edit out all the curses and like don't do yeah. like don't say anything like ridiculous. Obviously, um, yeah. But yeah, no, no problem there. Um, should we keep going? All right. Yeah. yeah. Last one. We'll we'll skip we'll skip the entrepreneur song because we already kind of talked about that. But uh, Travis Scott, the plan, the tenant theme song. Um, to be honest. I'm being 100% honest. Uh, I clicked that link and I thought it started playing the tenant trailer. So I was just like, oh, maybe we're in inter- I thought we were going to talk about the tenant movie. And like, I just keep <laughs> right now, it said Travis got the, the tenant theme song. So, I mean, what do you guys think about it? Uh, I mean, I, I told Jake, I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably never listen to that song again. I just thought it was yeah. like kind of an interesting. I hope that was really cool. theme song, in the movie. Yeah. I think the movie's gonna be sick. Yeah, but I will probably never listen to that song. It's not like a great Travis Scott song. No. So don't lose don't lose too much sleep over that. <laughs> cool. So I think what you know, what we want to talk about next was the XXL freshman class, COVID class of 2020. Um, kind of an unprecedented year for the XXL class. Um, and I really feel like COVID's had a major impact on how. This has kind of all come together and then also been announced. So I think, you know, first of all, how do you guys feel about about the list, about the class? So, I mean, just for everybody's reference, too, the, the list is Polo G, Cowboy, NLE Chapa, Lil' Keed, Chica, Lil' TJ, Baby Keem, Jack Harlow, Rod Wave, Bulato, Fabio Forn, and USC Zone, 24K Golden. 24. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think overall the, the the class is, I mean, pretty fantastic. I think like Polo G, Lil TJ, Jack Harlow, Baby Keem, even Baby Keem, Rod Wave are some of like my favorite artists. You know that have been putting out you know really strong projects over the last year and a half, um, two years even. So I mean, I thought, I thought, I thought honestly overall like it was a super strong class. Yeah, I agree. I really like almost all the selections. I mean, it feels a lot stronger than the last couple of years have been for the most part. Um, that being said, it still feels like it's like almost a decade younger than some of the classes have been in the past. Like these kids are like, you know, in their teens still, which is crazy, uh, kind of compared yeah. to past years. 
more and more people also are turning it down. So it's hard to say. Like that's so true. Because like back would be, be a lot of people used to be like, oh XXL, like oh yeah, I definitely want to do it. And now a lot of people are like getting hit up, and like you can you can guess there are about a handful of people who probably I could have seen on there. Like I think Guap Dad could have been on there. Yeah. Um, I was surprised he wasn't. You know, I think uh, somebody who was kind of getting steam now, but Flo Millie. I, I like yeah. I thought like there's always that and if you look at the list before there's always that really premature person that they put on there yeah. like literally dropped the song two three months before it and was on there so um I think you can really never know what XXL until like four years from now yeah that's true I mean what's the reason people turn it down because they're just like uh some people don't with XXL like that and they think it's like yeah. It's for the same reason that more and more people are turning away from the Grammys, I feel like. It's just one of those things where people just think it's a manipulated, corrupt system. So they're like, oh, I don't want to be a part of it. Like, yeah. Got it. Such, think, like Juice yeah. Reeled last year turned it down, which was a big one. Um, and I mm-hmm. think like it's also an interesting portion because like five years ago, maybe 10 years ago, like being on the XXL list was a big deal because it gave you an opportunity to like promote something. You know what I mean? Like it was a big opportunity to get in front of a lot of people. Um, you know, they had a big YouTube following at the time, right, for the Cypher, and it would be on TV or something, a bunch of random stuff. And nowadays, it's like, man, most of these artists have a bigger following than XXL online. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you don't really need the freshman list to get views or anything anymore, especially with this list of people. Like, almost all of them are viral on either TikTok, Twitter, or uh, TikTok, TikTok, Twitter, or YouTube. Hey, if you were, if you were a rapper, would you be on it? Would you say yes to? It? I don't know. It depends, like, what kind of what my catalog looks like a little bit. If I was, like, if, if I just started out, like, you know, a couple singles in, I would definitely take it because I think there's an opportunity to elevate your career. But, you know, for some of these artists, I mean, it's cool. Like, it's really cool, and it's obviously nice to get recognized because there really isn't enough recognition in hip-hop, I feel like. Um, but that being said, yeah, I don't know if it does much for their career. You know what I mean? It's just uh, just kind of cool. <laughs> cool thing to, like, add to your hat a little bit. Yeah. I mean, like, I think if you look at, like, a 24K Golden, like, this is a pretty good look for him. But, like, Polo yeah. G, you're just like, I mean, Polo G's already yeah, star. Like, exactly. he's huge. Album's about to go platinum. Yeah. Um, I also thought it was interesting, like, that all of the, and, like, it's just kind of what you were hitting on a little bit, Jake. But, like, all of the, you know, freestyles are acapella with just one person. And it just takes away from, like, that cool feeling of like yeah you're gonna see like four or five of like the best new up-and-coming rappers hit the same beat in this like cool cypher video but it's just not like that at all this year i feel like that you know i think so they all have no usually they do usually like yearly they do everybody's individual acapella one and then they do the group ones like if you go back you okay you remember designer right yeah (laughs) yeah you remember when he did that Timmy, Timmy, Timmy Turner thing? Oh, yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, so, like, they usually do, like, a group of, like, they do, everybody individually has their own kind of, like, individual freestyle acapella, and then they do the following, like, two weeks later, they do, like, four people. Now, they could just be done. How long ago did those come out? Last week. Oh, yeah, they're not done. Okay, word. We can scrap this part of the podcast then. Goodness. Oh, shit. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that? You didn't know that they do it like I thought that? They were, I, bro, I thought they were done. 
Well, because I mean, I was, I'm just wondering how they're gonna do it with the social distancing and stuff. You know. Yeah. Wasn't sure if they were just recording the main individual for the sake of, you know, social distancing. That's kind of what I thought. Yeah, they'll probably do. They're gonna do because I was talking to um, some friends and they were like, "I don't think they're gonna do it this year." And I'm like, "To be honest, that's all they have. They have to do." It. <laughs> yeah, I do feel that. <laughs> they true. can't. They can't just not. If they just don't do it, then like, as this cooks for XXL. But even then, like for XXL, like it feels like the last couple of years haven't really had any viral potential. You know what I mean? Like, there is the XXX one, which was weird and viral, and then there's yeah, Timmy Turner. And then there's the 2016 cipher with you know Uzi and Kodak and Denzel and everyone, um, but it feels like for the most part, you know it's really lost a lot of the steam uh, that it had a couple years back. Even yeah, I think it's it's like silly. It's just like kind of funny and silly, like you know, it's cool. It's fun and silly for the artists, but I mean for XXL <laughs> a little bit. They, oh they yeah, really- no, not for them. Um, yeah, and I think that takes us to our next news story, which is actually the NBA young boy Al Mart controversy with Roddy Rich. Sam, have you checked this thing out? You familiar no, with this? So, no. uh, so NBA young boy put up his new album for presale last week, and it basically has the same album cover as the Roddy Rich album. Um, like, yeah, for real. Yeah, have you? Yeah, like it's basically. That up. He's, Roddy's looking slightly to his right, and NBA's looking slightly to his left. But other than that, it is basically the exact same photo. Who made that yeah. mistake? That's that's a that's a, a team mistake. You, you Man, I mean, do you think that's a mistake? I mean, yeah, it's a group, yeah. Who, who hasn't seen that album cover? <laughs> it's like the best-selling album of the year. Oh wait, I thought they. So this is. Oh. Okay, I thought you were saying like they both announced like new albums and they both had the same album art. Oh, You're no, talking no, about, no. oh yeah, uh, it's just a bad, just, I mean, you know, people are just like, can take what they can get right now. So they were probably just like, yo, do the Roddy Rich thing, just take a picture of yourself. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right, man. I think it's, it's kind of going crazy on pre-saves though, because of this whole thing. It's at like number six or something. But I mean, in all fairness, I feel like the NBA YoungBoy album might have gone crazy on the pre-sales. Anyways, you guys got like a die-hard fan base. Oh my god, his True. fan base is crazy. These, these tweets, these tweets about it are hilarious. <laughs> Read us a tweet, man. Yeah. It was like, uh, uh, yo, can I copy your homework? Yeah, just don't be like the exact same. Shit. It's just like those two pictures. Just don't be obvious about it. <laughs> yeah, don't be obvious about it, type. Shit. <laughs> nah, that's a. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's just poor planning. Man, or it's genius, genius marketing. One or the other. Only way to get the head. Talking about it. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Josie, what do you? What Josie? You do digital marketing. Uh, what do you think about it? I mean, I'm all for like do your own thing. Like maybe it's genius marketing because it's been done before, and so people are gonna like you know, be already familiar with it. Um, but I think it's kind of also lazy and not that creative. So I'm all for like, do something new, do something that's like you, not just like something that's already been done before. Um, but if it's working, I mean, maybe that was the big plan anyways, but I think it's kind of lazy and like, if yeah, not cool. If like that were to happen to me, I'd be like, get your own thing. So 
some of those comments I saw too were like, oh, well, Roddy Rich owns black and white photos now. It's like, no, he doesn't own black and white photos. No, but like, like, this is the same. exact same yeah, photo. Every, yeah. <laughs> I, hate that. I hate that dumb shit. Like when like clearly like, are you saying he can't take a photo of it? Like, you know what the f I'm saying. That's the same. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that takes us to our final news story this week and really the big one which is kind of the return of the Meg, the stallion Tory Lanez drama. Um, is everyone familiar with this? Uh, so if not, like two or three weeks ago, probably three or four weeks ago now, you know, there was a big Snapchat story. It was like Tory Lanez is winning, and it's Tory Lanez hanging out with Kylie Jenner and, and Meg the Stallion. And then, you know, probably about eight hours later, it's uh, announced that Meg the Stallion's in the hospital after a gunshot wound and that Tory Lanez is in custody. And so over the last two weeks, we've been getting, you know... <laughs> little bits and pieces of the story over time, um, which really sounds like it turns out into Tory Lanez basically shooting Megan Stallion in, in her foot. Um, anyone else hear anything further than that? That's as far as my nah, man, he, understanding goes. He did that. No, oh, yeah, shit. no, I mean, no doubt he did that. <laughs> we're, yeah, I think we're all on the same page on that one. Um, and Meg released a video on Instagram like two days ago uh, confirming that it was Tory Lanez. Um, and it's just like one of the most bizarre just i mean it's one of those things that at this point like it's crazy that it's so unexpected and so unprecedented but it ju it's just bizarre that there's all this violence even towards like a female rapper you know what i mean um and it's just coming you know right after our conversation last week about wap which is this whole thing um, where people are up in arms you know against them right but then no one is coming out to support her at all i feel like you know what i mean like there's been no major <laughs> press outlets reporting on this and no one you know really throwing their support behind mm -hmm. Mega Stallion at all, which is crazy. Honestly, like, I'm sorry, like, Tory Lanez, like, he, I mean, if you think about, it just makes no sense. And on top of that, I do think that there are rap artists who could have been a lot more vocal on what happened to her. And it's kind of disappointing. I mean, as vocal as some of the men were who were like, oh, wet ass, that's too much for me. I mean, like, Nelly had, like, Tip Drill. Like, there, there are so many songs that were, like, way worse. And I think that, like, so many people, I don't know who these people are who are, like, these are your kids' role models. And, like, as if no other role models exist, but, like, for them to put that weight on them and be, like, they have to act a certain way, it's just, like, selectively picking what they want to be against. I think the whole Absolutely. conversation of people being, like, this song is too much personally for me is ridiculous. And I'm glad that I'm glad that song's out for the mere fact that I think we need to normalize men hearing the kind of songs that for years they've been giving about women and then like hear that and they're like, whoa, whoa, what? But like you were talking about getting topped off on some shit and kicking her out of the house, that wasn't too crazy. But like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like they're doing Meg the, the Stallion such a disservice and all she's done has been like positive, you know, like last summer she like pretty much was the sole promoter of like the mood of the summer when people are like hot girls. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, yeah, like, boat, that was yeah. the vibe. And yeah, drive the boat. Like that was, so it's weird to see people kind of like really turn on her for no reason but it just shows you how finicky a lot of people are absolutely i mean i think the reason's just that she's a black woman man like i just think it's just like a lot of this you know aggression and just like underlying hatred 
towards a demographic that like is so unjustified um but like that is that and i feel like one thing i realize is when she stopped being like all happy because of what happened to her that's like it's so weird to see that happen it happens a lot in media but like rap where if you like portray yourself as something people like wait for you to have an oppositional moment to like how you are so like lizzo like the minute lizzo wasn't like this happy black woman they liked like they crucified her because she said something about an uber driver which we all have been like yo uber's trash where's my food and they like attacked her and they kind of, you know, were quick to turn on Meg Thee Stallion for absolutely no reason. And it was sad, you know, disappointing. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, even just, like, comparing that to, like, the, like, really minor amount of bad press that Jay-Z got, I feel like, for the whole, like, the weird, I mean, it was weird, but the whole, like, NFL partnership and thing where it's, like, the difference between, like, a personal problem that you get no sympathy from, sympathy from right, or empathy from anybody, and then, you know, like, actual systemic, you know, <laughs> some real money being thrown around, uh, with like a lack of transparency and, and no one's really taking the time to call it out or you know recognize the issue um you know it's like when a when a dude does it it's their business right but when it's a woman it's like oh everyone has a comment about it yeah i mean like once again not to put you on the spot but like josie how do you feel about it yeah i mean i completely agree and i loved your point sam about like how these male rappers have been rapping about that for ever in terms of you know all that stuff with women and then when it comes out of a woman's mouth it's like these are the ladies that are raised without god and you know how dare this song be out and like we said last week i mean there's been so many other worse songs whether it's by a female or a male but the point is that it came out by cardi b and meg the stallion not that it came out by two male black rappers or whoever right. else it was going to be so yeah, I mean, I completely agree that it's just so unprecedented. But like you said, Sam, too, I'm so glad that it's out there because um, the more of that, the more normalized it will be and the less you know outraged people will be when a song like this comes out, the more and more frequent that they do. So just the beginning of a movement. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate for, for Meg Thee Stallion right now. And I mean, most women <laughs> like in that industry, too. But yeah, like unnecessary flack all around. Is there any more um, drama on the Tory Tory Lanes situation, or is there just like what's what's the current like? Oh, she she was yeah she was saying that like his PR team has been you know like actively covering everything yeah actively like covering everything up um, and like all that stuff. But it's like it's like damn like he he had the world pretty much where he wanted it like through this whole quarantine thing with like the way he like played the quarantine radio thing and was pulling like literally 400,000 people into IG live streams. Like he just dropped that last album to get out of his, you know, his deal. And he was finally going to be independent and like had all this momentum and then just like do some dumb shit like this. It's just like, you think tell you, man, like folks just tweet, like there was no reason for any, like at the end of the day, why? why why what like what in your mind was just like yo whatever she's doing right now i'm gonna shoot her in her foot and like totally not acknowledge like not just like the bare level of being like probably shouldn't be shooting anybody but like meg the stallion probably not a good look but his little ass decided he was gonna pull up on that and man he tweaked hard stupid you heard it here first 
It's Toy Lane's tweet. I'm not um, trading Toy Lane. That would be fair about this. Sorry, but... <laughs> <laughs> about to put that up on Instagram. <laughs> so same challenge. I mean, I'm not going. I'm not going double back. Isn't he five two? Yeah, he's really short. We'll kind of, I guess, like trying to transition off the quarantine radio idea and really how Tory Lanez has managed to do so well during quarantine. I just think we wanted to kind of hear your perspective, Sam, on just like kind of handling being an artist during this COVID situation overall um, and kind of how you've been um, able to you know, hold it together. Yeah. So in terms of being an artist, I think uh, finding a balance. I feel like I feel like these are the times that count, you know, it's kind of like my best. Hold on. I feel like it's kind of like the off season in which you really just got to focus on what's important and finding a balance, you know, like I make sure that I schedule out my day so that I feel like it creates a sense of normalcy, but also it's good for your brain. So like wake up in the morning, like 11 to 1 PM, try and have no phone, make breakfast, go for a bike ride, do anything like meditating. Um, then, you know, one to two, kind of like a learning period where I'm learning about things that I care about, whether it be music or like stock investments, or just like kind of, I want to relocate to Portland. So just looking at real estate over there and budgeting for that. But um, I really think a, one of the things I learned was scheduling is important and also investing, you know, like Hotbox wouldn't have, you know, it's crazy to think that like every song that we released together was made in the entirety of this room. And it just goes to show that like investing in kind of what you care about will always pay off. And in the end, it's always going to be worth it. So I think we're entering an era of self-sustainability, you know, like where to the point where Spotify and Apple Music are looking at labels and it's like, bro, nobody, you know, they're kind of just like, you know, we just you're the biggest like person in the middle trying to control everything. But you're like the least necessary right now. Right. So. I think uh, self-sustainability is important. And just, you know, caring about your family, you know, being in contact with people you love and just noticing that life is more than, you know, a paycheck and health insurance from an establishment. You know, there are some people who don't live by the same constraints or confines that we do. And, you know, their whole existence is a little bit different. You know, they value different things. And I really think it put a pause button on kind of like, what we don't value you know or what we do value so right sam it sounds like you have a really good head on your shoulders and like a really good schedule of like when to be creative when to learn like when to get outside did you find at some point throughout quarantine you didn't feel you know motivated to have a schedule or you didn't feel motivated to make music or motivated to like learn new things did you go through a transition period like most of you know most of us did with isolation and how was that in terms of you know getting back into it um i think the hardest part was actually like not um not the start of quarantine because i like i remember on my story like january i think november was the first time i heard about covid and then cam january i was just like yo it's kind of picking up there and we travel too much so i was seeing that whatever happened there would have to happen here. So when it did, I wasn't that thrown off. I think I was thrown off when I started seeing um, a lot of, you know, social justice issues during a pandemic, because it's kind of like during this time, 
the whole era was to stay inside and be safe. And outside, the laws that be that protect us were still dropping bodies, and it was kind of just ridiculous. Yeah. And to kind of see people, the, the amount of people that came out and the diversity of people that came out to protest, um, it was encouraging. But at the same time, for me mentally, it was taxing because it's like, why do why do we always have to like in America provide content for Americans to consume while also like maintaining surviving with all the issues that happen regularly to us? Right. And um, so I really think that mid part uh, around like that May June part was probably the hardest. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, just bouncing back from that. I think the best thing to understand that like everything isn't so linear and that like this has happened before in history, like a pandemic and issues, whether it be like the race riots, whether it be like the Spanish flu, all these things tend to happen. And the best thing you can do is create a future you're more accepting of and an identity that you're more proud of. 100%. I feel that. Well said. And I think, uh, I think that's shifting us into our dessert section, which is community questions this week. So, <clears throat> Sam, feel free to chime in at any point. I don't know if how many of these are going to be hyper-relevant because uh, we have the interview coming up. So, could try to keep these separate, but just some quick oh. questions. <clears throat> um, the first one we've got from our good friend Kara, at Seepley on Instagram. If you're talking about a new song or what you guys have been listening to, why don't you play a snippet of the song? So... This is a common question, and it's a good one, um, but the answer is that it all kind of falls down to copyright law, right? So the reason why we don't play the song on our podcast or you know on YouTube or on Twitch or anything is that we're very concerned about getting copyright strikes because usually once you get three copyright strikes, you lose control of your account, of your channel, you know, whatever it is. Um, so three? Be, it's usually three. YouTube's three. Um, Twitch is actually unlimited right now, but... Nevertheless, basically, the issue is you don't know if the song that you're going to post is going to get you copyright striked until you post it. So the reality is a lot of artists allow you know, YouTube content creators to post their songs online, um, but there's no way to check until you upload the song. <laughs> so the reason we don't play the songs in here is simply because it would take forever to vet every single song because um, we'd have to basically create a YouTube video and upload it to see what happens. Um, and so therefore, we just don't play any of the songs on here. I think you know in the future... If we're doing live streams and stuff, we'll be able to play the songs. We just can't post the video anywhere afterwards. Um, and yeah, same thing with Instagram and Facebook. They all they all strike your copyrights. So that is why. Um, yeah, that's important. You know. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to lose. You don't want to lose everything over like one bad decision. Um, so uh, the next question from uh, our good friend Zoe at Zoe Ann on Instagram. She asked, how do we make virtual concerts and festivals more interesting? I think this is a good question, but I want someone else to answer it. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I can I can attempt to, to field this uh, just right off the bat. I mean, I think the one thing that, you know, is really hard to, to, to supplement with any sort of, you know, video or streaming or things of that nature is like, you know, the actual energy that you feel like being there and like that's that's a hard thing to like supplement but it's i think um you know some of the some of the festivals that i think happened early on like people didn't have as much you know they didn't have the resources to kind of live stream so like it was a lot of those sets were just pre-recorded which you know 
one thing kind of like takes away from 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 the from the kind of aesthetic of everything i think to a certain extent um because you can kind of feel that it's it's rehearsed and it's it's you know it's pre-recorded um so i think you know as kind of people get a better idea of how to navigate some of the technology um gaps i think that should hopefully instantly improve and then it's like how can you um you know try to try to bring in some sort of interaction with the people that are actually in your live stream so i think the i think you know some of the things moving forward like i think jake that facebook thing is fairly interesting and i i'll i'd be interested to see kind of like how that shakes out i think you you know a little bit more about the details than i do but essentially um what yeah. is it it's just you can yeah so now facebook gives artists the opportunity to paywall live streams right so now you know every time i go live i could rather than a, it's not a subscription to be clear it's not like patreon or anything like that it's like it's a pay an entrance fee to get into my live stream right now basically so it has the ability to kind of create that structure so at least there's a way for artists to be compensated like per stream uh, which i think is a really interesting idea and i think that that like sets the groundwork though for some sort of interaction between the artist and the audience in in that platform at least like yeah. i don't know how that looks but i think that's something that needs to be incorporated because that's that's the thing that you miss by just looking at you know, a pre-recorded live stream of your favorite artist performing you know songs right so josie have you watched any live streams or anything uh, since quarantine. I have been, yeah, I mean, same kind of with what you guys are saying. It's like you get really excited to tune in and then you're just kind of like, Shit, it's just not the same. Um, so yeah, it's definitely like a big question. I think everyone in the music industry is kind of asking themselves, especially now that it's like, we thought this would be way over by now and we don't really know when live music is gonna come back, which I think if you would have asked us in March, it would have been like, right. give it a few months, summer concerts will October. be back. And now it's like, right now it's like, okay, this actually might be an ongoing situation that we have to figure out and not just like wait for it to pass and miss out on like X amount of years of shows and live performances. So yeah. yeah I, Sam, as the only person here who'd actually be on stage for a live stream, how do you feel about how these things have been going so far? I mean, like, uh, it's, it's, it's wild to me. Um, I really do think that, uh, I feel like there are better ways, like even in the UK kind of was more of what I thought before car shows, you know? in the sense of like, I think it makes more sense to have designated areas for people on a massive field and allow people to do performances like that and have it be a giant display. That's like, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but damn near just like get, get like five drones and give them like little ends of a huge like display and just have them like hold it up and project like visuals, almost like you would think about like a fireworks show, like a big fireworks show, how everybody's on their little like picnic area and it's so many people, but they're all separated. I thought festivals would be more like that instead of the whole car thing where it's like a hundred cars and, you know, four people. But uh, I, re I really think that um, we're going to have to adjust and uh, it's hard to say. I mean, medicine is such a weird caveat where like, 
today we're dealing with, we're talking about like, oh, COVID, what are we going to do next year? All it takes is for an antiviral medicine to be, you know, to be successful. And this becomes like, you know, mono or strep throat or uh, like a, you essentially have an antibiotic to fight this. And like, because the plague, the Black Plague wiped out everybody. Um, and like there have been minor cases of the plague here and there, but we have antibiotics for the plague. So even if we did have a, a plague outbreak, I feel like we have antibiotics for that. We can handle it. And the same thing goes for coronaviruses. If any day somebody could be like, this medicine works, you know, we can use it on people. And now you're looking at when you go and have COVID and end up in the hospital, they give you a week of antibiotics and you're fine. Because I myself have <clears throat> dealt with having like an infection that went into my blood and I ended up in the hospital before with like 104 degree fever. And I was there for like four days on antibiotics and I was fine. Yeah, it was it was scary. It was definitely scary. <laughs> yeah, it sounds uh, really man. <laughs> It was like it was it was a crazy like football incident that led to it and then like uh the only antibiotics they they had had penicillin in it but I'm like deathly allergic to penicillin yeah, so. so they just had to like give me penicillin and give me like two like IVs of Benadryl and I would just I was like just sitting there with an allergic reaction for like 4 days just That's like crazy. nonstop just hives and and uh but yeah, you know, I, I wasn't scared. They're like, you're not going to die, but it's not going to be comfortable whatsoever. And it wasn't. At least you know you're not going to die. On my worst time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just like, why would you tell me that? You know, I'm like 19. I'm not rocking. Put that right in now. my head. <laughs> yeah. it's. But um, yeah, it could change. It could change any moment, you know. Uh, it's weird. It's such a weird time right now with everything. So I'm just, who knows? Yeah, I mean but do you also not feel like it's a generational gap, right? Like people our age, right? People who, especially us, right? Who spend a lot of time going to concerts, right? This obviously impacts us in a large way. But I mean, a lot of casual people who only go to the Taylor Swift concert every year or the Drake concert, right? Or even, you know, kids who are younger who already spend six hours a day watching live streams. You know what I mean? Like, is that- It's hard. It's... Nah, man, not even, because think about it. Like, so for us, it's festivals, right? They have a festival like season sports that you gotta remember sports like basketball football um conferences for like tech um like south by southwest that's not just music that's a tech conference um so it really affects everybody like there's all there it affects a lot ironically of businesses but i'm like i'm wondering from the consumer perspective right like because hypothetically right if you're an artist that tours then and let's say you're selling out 1500 cap rooms in every in every market right um and you might yeah. you know even you might sell out all 1500 and some you might not sell enough tickets in some um and then you know you also have all the costs of your crew when touring right but let's say you just do a bunch of live stream shows with limited you know limited attendance right and and slightly more premium tickets right maybe it's 20 20 tickets or something to get into your facebook live stream and you do like yeah. 10 of them i mean you can make like ten thousand dollars right and you could also reach a bunch of kids who would never be allowed to go to a concert or, you know, live in suburbia or rural America and can make it to, you know, Chicago or something to see the show. So it's like, for and, sure. It's, it's, know. it's always like, uh, there's always kind of like something that balances it out. Cause like you right. said, yeah, kids who, but you gotta remember that, like, what if because of coronavirus, a lot of parents can't work and now their kids don't have internet. And then it's like, they can't even, you know, watch this show. I think it, 
there are ways that it, it benefits, like how you said, where artists can become more sustainable on like one fan than like right. a label being like, we could pump you out. And then um, when this comes back, I, like artists like myself might benefit from it. Like right. they're not gonna just, there's gonna be fear when it comes back. Nobody's gonna wanna just go to Lollapalooza again. So right. uh, prior to this, you remember the, uh, a lot of tours were happening that had mega stars on it. Like Tyler, the creator, um, Gold Link and Jaden Smith on one tour. You know, that's a to fill out an arena. You're going to start seeing every artist on the headliner go to mid-sized cap venues that are safer and like need openers that don't need to be big to get ticket sales. Like Jaden Smith can sell out anything like that's not a, like pretty much United Center can sell out any venue besides that. So when you're looking for openers, you don't need to put an opener on that tour. You'll just need like somebody to fill up space. And artists like me who like relatively unknown can just fill up space on on these tours. So instead of you having one mega tour going for the whole year, you'll have artists going on these mini tours by themselves. I think two thoughts on that one. First of all, the benefit of booking you as an opening artist would be partially that, but also that you're not traveling, right? So you're local, which means that in general, you're, you know, the whole like, obviously carrying the virus from one place to another, et cetera, marginalized. Um, and secondly, I think the reason that people do those superstar lineups is because they're able to premiumize a ticket from like a hundred dollar ticket to like a $250 ticket for a you know, floor. Like they, they take everything up like two or three price points. So it's like, on one hand I agree, but on the other hand, I don't see those <laughs> tours going away because especially if people need money, because it's the easiest way to minim minimize costs, right? Because all three artists can combine all of their production costs, right? You only need one tour, like, you know, well, one tour bus for production, one big trailer for production, et cetera. Um, and then you'll have to pay the sound guys, you know, for that one night versus, you know, three separate nights for your tour. Um, but, that you're, but then you're able to charge fans like four times as much money to basically get this like superstar show. Um, they definitely, I don't think at all they're going to go away. I think that um, for a while though, they're going to have to figure it out. Yeah. Like okay. they like, cause it's just a post fear. Like, I'm not going to lie. Would I go to like a Lollapalooza? Like, like Chicago was holding out. We were holding out to the last minute before we said for sure Lala wasn't happening. And there were some people who were like, oh yeah, I'd go. And then there were a lot of people who were like, oh yeah, I don't feel, that's just too many people. It's not like a, a house party you went to. It's like a field of a thousand people, hot and breathing. Like, 100%. Jectile vomiting on each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pop a perk, crazy. <laughs> Um, yeah, Dakota, you want to take us to our nightcap? Yeah, so uh, nightcap, so this is kind of how we like to, to end the episode. Um, so being that, you know, the, the whole kind of theme here is is cooking, and those who follow uh, Solo Sam on Instagram know that he is quite the chef. So, Sam, what what do you got lined up for dinner later, man? Like, what are you, what are you throwing together? Like, you know, what what's what's going into it? You know, is it is it a fan favorite of yours or like what's what's the deal? What do we got lined up tonight? It's on the menu. Yo, I never talk about this, but like I'll uh, I'll talk about it on here. Um, I'm not eating today. Like okay, I I alternate like fast on days, so like one day I'll just have like juice and water and you know nothing else but like just juice water and then like sometimes i'll have like bone broth because it's good for the digestion and then no the solid. next day i'll have yeah no solid just for like uh, 24 hours you know just you know i just feel like 
the idea of just always eating, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. I just don't think that, like, first off, economically, most people in other countries don't eat three meals a day every day. And I just personally feel like better when I don't. And also like, I think better. I know it sounds weird. It might just be something, but, um, but tomorrow adrenaline, man, because <laughs> you haven't eaten anything. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, it's weird at first, at first it used to be, at first it used to be like that. But like, after that, I don't know, my body's just like used to that routine. And like, That's you see what I'd be making on my, you see what I'd be making on my stories. I don't like, you know, make ramen. Like I make a full ass meal, you know? Yeah, and, uh, 100%. so, uh, tomorrow, um, man, honestly, I had some dough and I was thinking about making something with that. You know, I don't know if I want to make some kind of like turnover with that. Mm. Um, and then I also have some fish, some sockeye salmon. So I might do some like agave honey salmon with some like rice and veggies, kind of like a bowl. Yeah, yeah. that sounds fire. Would you, are you gonna cook it or are you gonna do like like sashimi, like raw, a poke bowl? Cook, I'm, I'm gonna cook it. You know, nowadays you gotta cook shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't think, especially if like, especially if I get it from the store and I decide to go like, you know, I would do this if like the idea of like going to the hospital couldn't give me COVID. But the, the last thing I wanna do is have to go yeah, somewhere yeah. Where it's just like I'm in a hospital, like because my stomach hurts. You got food poisoning because you didn't cook your salmon. Because you're homie. Yeah, and then I'm just. (laughs) Yeah, and then like they're like, "Oh, that's the COVID floor right over there," and I'm like, "Oh, bet. Good to know." Like, yeah. So, I'm I'm gonna cook the salmon. I'm gonna cook the salmon. Probably a good call. Well, I think with that crazy nightcap, very unexpected from from Sam on that one, but uh. I think uh, that's it for this week of the Main Course Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, make sure to check us out on socials, stake worldwide, everywhere. Um, show your friends. And, uh, yeah, see you guys next week. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to our first interview with our homie Solo Sam. I'm Jake Stanley, your host, and I'm here today with Josie Francis. Hey, guys. And uh, Josie's going to take it away. Sam, are you there? We have a lot of questions for you. Here, I'm ready. Let's go. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, I just got you know introduced to Sam more recently as I joined in on the Stake Worldwide team. Him and Jake and Dakota go way back, but we have a lot of questions. I'm just going to you know run through them and chat and tell your story throughout. So, you know, we want to give the audience an idea of who you are and where you come from and what you do. So where are you from? First of all, Um, I'm born and raised Chicago. Uh, you know, I love it out here. Um, I, I was raised on the South side, moved to like the North side near like Skokie. And then, uh, my parents ended up spending a fair amount of time around the corner from my dad's uh, art gallery in River North. So, okay, and then, yeah, and then after that, like, I lived all over Chicago by myself, like South Loop, West Loop, Wrigleyville, you know. Nice. I'm from Wisconsin, so I'm a Midwest girl. So, I know, I know a little bit about Chicago. And you mentioned earlier that you're thinking about moving to Portland. Yeah, man. Portland, I feel like, is such a, such a peaceful environment. And just being the kind of person I am, I like being that close to nature and having that relaxed peace of mind. 
and they're big on food and food's like important to me so yeah that's very true yeah very important do you think you're gonna move out there in the near future or is it just kind of like a distant idea right now i mean to be honest it's it's really up in the air like of course you know i'm building something here in chicago but you know the way everything's looking i think the most important thing is to find financial stability because i could do everything i'm doing remote so who knows could be in the next year or so could be three years from now i was i was in portland you know two weeks ago or whatever and there's honestly a pretty dope scene starting to come up there i feel like it's not a city that's known for its hip-hop scene but just i mean with the explosion of amine and then you know a bunch of local artists um you know shout out matt burden on the scene um i feel like it's it's in a good place right now yeah, for sure. Was that your first time out there, like uh, Portland? No, that's actually I lived there for a year when I was a kid. Uh, my sister was actually born there uh, in Portland, so uh, I've been a couple times. And then we've toured through Portland. Uh, I think like the Rose Rose Hill Roseland Ballroom played there a couple times. Um, so I've been a few times. I like Portland a lot. I think the whole Pacific Northwest weather just isn't for me, you know. Yeah, yeah it's a uh, yeah, it's rainy, you know. <laughs> that's like one of the best parts about being in LA especially from Wisconsin you know it's just the weather so I've never been to Portland I've been to Seattle a few times but I need to get over to Portland because I've heard some really good things um Sam more on like your childhood and your upbringing like what were you into as a kid were you always super you know musical or into into music or did that kind of come up more later in your teens or kind of tell us what you Ooh, Sam is a is a wee little lad. <laughs> uh, so like I really took after like my dad. You know, I think growing up because my dad he's a, a painter, he means an artist, and kind of a lot of what I build my kind of I would I hate saying the word brand, but my image around is just self sustainability and artistry. And growing up watching him like he's from West Africa, and both my parents are immigrants. My dad's from West Africa, my mom's from Seoul, Korea, but just like watching how he came here and he went to University of Chicago to get a degree in international law and just became an artist. Uh, I think one of the most important things he instilled in me at a young age was how important art is. So like there was a point where I was super big in, yeah, there was a point where I was like super big into poetry, but I always knew like more than anything, I wanted to go into the profession of art in some capacity so uh yeah just growing up with that force in my life really kind of steered me in that direction i love it your sister was was into music right i kind of remember you telling me about this oh yeah i have two i have two older sisters yeah my oldest sister it was so crazy growing up but um she was really into uh singing and production so watching her like when i was a kid like make beats in her room and like play like several different instruments i thought was the coolest thing ever and um, she like recorded and produced her her own album in a very similar setting. So that's kind of where I really knew how feasible it was to do all this yourself because I watched her do it herself. So she inspired me a lot. In, uh, in terms of, you know, involvements in school, were you really involved with like musicals or theater or athletics or kind of like what did you involve yourself in um, extracurricular in terms of your upbringing yeah so um when i got to high school well the second time i got to high school like before i was sent to military school but when i left uh military school i 
I played football only because the school I got into, the private school I got into, that was like the the deal I have with the coach and my parents, where he's just like, yo, just have him play sports, and like yeah. we'll get him in here. And so I went there, played football. But when I was there, I did musicals. I I did a musical every year, and that that's just a lot of fun, Sick. you know, like. What musicals, man? Just like, uh, one was like. One was I forgot the name, but it was like a very like night kind of musical. And then the other one was the mystery of Edwin Drood, okay. which where like I like played a mayor but a narrator in it. And uh yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's awesome. When did you seriously start making music then? Was it while you were still in high school? Uh it's or was it even younger? No, when I was in high school I would like bull around and you know like you always have that i feel like when it comes down to like rap you always have phases and one of them is your ego phase where like your rap like my rap name was the nicest and it's clearly just a phase where you're like i rap so it was like um just making these raps and then i got to college um it was actually in high school my senior year i changed my name to solo sam and mm. then when i got to college i was a 0.5 uh, credit short uh, for an art requirement, so I had to sit out that year. And I was like, you know, I was mad. At, I was mad because like I I really did a lot my senior year, like to go play college sports. Like I I didn't do as many par as many parties, you know. Like right. you know, every weekend I was visiting different colleges, so I didn't really get to do that. So I was like, I'm gonna make a project called Off Season and make raps about now being right. able to play. And then uh. A year later, cool. I emailed my coaches and it was like, yo, I really want to rap. Like, I'm good on this. And like, <laughs> I had like four grown men like call me and curse me out. Like, it, it was ridiculous. And then uh, the next year I was like, yo, I like emailed all my professors and I'm like, yo, I'm good on this. I really want to rap. And so I like left college in completely. And then yeah. I say that was about five years ago. So I've been like, committed and really pursuing this as a career for five, six years now. Have you ever reconnected with any of those coaches or the, or the professor? Oh, no, no. <laughs> My well, 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 so there was this professor, you know, rest in peace. He passed away, but his oh, name was sorry. Alan Bloom. Yeah, he was amazing. He was my um, African-American history through films professor. And I kind of told him I was having this dilemma, like I didn't want to play sports. And he kind of was just like, to be honest, like th those coaches care about your body. But you got to yeah. do what cares about your mind. And I was just like, damn, that's real. So he really pushed me. But besides that, those coaches, man, like <laughs> they, I've never seen grown men that angry at like essentially like a kid. Like they just called me out, cursed me out for like just yelling at me for like leaving. And I'm like, bro, I can't help you. Like this has nothing to do with me. I'm sorry. Like you put this much hope into it, but I'm good, you know? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So you said it, you really are into cooking, which at Steak Worldwide we um, condone. Are there other, you know, interests outside of music and cooking that you, that are a big part of your life right now? And also on top of that, like, how, where does the inspiration from cooking come from? Was that kind of something you were brought up in or when you moved out for the first time, you got really into it. Kind of tell us more about your current interests. So I'll like start with the cooking one. Um, 
it was like sophomore year at uh at college i like wanted money um so i i would work at the call center on campus and get money from that but then like the cafe i heard paid well so i was like oh get a job there and um they were like, we'll pay you a dollar more if you're this guy's like sous chef. And I was just ah. like, I was like, why? And they're like, yeah, well, it's kind of hard. You know, people, he's hard to work with. And I was like, okay, bet. This man was not hard at all. He was not hard. He was, he was a really nice guy. And he taught me a lot about cooking. And a lot of the time he told me, he's just like, people just like come back here and like, just don't want to work. So right. they think I'm some hard guy to work. And he, he, he really wasn't hard, and he taught me a lot about cooking. And then when I left college, I realized that, like, ordering out wasn't the move all the time. Yeah. And um, I, need to learn that. I just started, yeah, I started cooking. And, like, growing up, you know, my mom and dad always cooked, specifically my dad. And uh, it wasn't until I was older that I realized it was a non-stressful form of being creative. Yeah. So, like, yeah. the reason why he enjoyed cooking, because I never understood why, like, he would be painting for, like, eight hours, then come home at, like, 1 a.m. and cook a whole meal for himself. And I'm like, just go to bed. But I realized that <laughs> when you're when you're creative, you want to be able to be creative without it being mentally exhausting. Right. And, uh, yeah, yeah it's like it. And uh, so that's really how I got into it. And I love cooking. And, you know, my other hobbies range between, like, I mean, just really like anything, you know, I feel like the best part of being like a human is the human experience where like we can continually learn and educate ourselves about so many things that could be, you know, integral to our identity. So, um, you know, recently I've been learning more about stocks, you know, mm -hmm. um, I think that's just kind of more about not just financial literacy, but, you know, generational wealth and kind of the foreground to set in terms of money for yourself, your your family, but also your people and what that looks like. So, um, yeah, that's what I've been on lately. But, uh, yeah, I don't mind. I'm about everything. I've got two quick follow-ups for you on that one. Uh, what's your favorite yeah. meal or, you know, or slash favorite restaurant, right? I mean, either or. Or yeah. if you have both, let me know. Where should I eat if I'm going to uh, Man, if you're going to Chicago, I mean, I'd say go to Sushi Taku. It's an all-you-can-eat spot that, like, I was skeptical about. I was like, <laughs> uh, all-you-can-eat. And then you go there, and, like, you realize that they can have all-you-can-eat because from the time they open and close, they, they always, you have to make a reservation. And there are a lot of seats in there. So Sushi Taku has really, really solid sushi. I, I rock with it. Um, but in terms of my favorite meal, I mean, like, probably like bulgogi and kimchi it's yeah. like korean it's uh, like yeah and like uh, i can eat kimchi <laughs> like i oh yeah i always have like a fat tub of kimchi just because growing up yeah. we always had a huge tub of kimchi in the fridge so Absolutely. like i can always just eat kimchi and rice like if i'm that's like my mid go-to if i'm just about to eat something and i don't feel like cooking i'll just make rice and have kimchi and i'm good so kimchi and rice for sure Throw a little egg in there or something. I feel like if you add kimchi to anything, yeah. it yeah. elevates the experience. It, it really, it's, yeah. You, you really can't go wrong. Um, my other question, man, what should we invest in? Sounds like, sounds like you've been paying attention a little bit. What have, you, what have you learned, man? 
Um, to be honest, uh, <laughs> say Tesla, man. Don't what, say Tesla. <laughs> what, what, yo, I learned that you can always learn more, and you know, like it's deep. Just kind of, my mom's been into it. Yeah. And she kind of like told me what calls to make, and I did, and like she wasn't wrong. Um, I also realized, like, if there was something I would, this is a theory. This is all a theory in my head, and it could be illegal and wrong, but um, <laughs> I would say if you, if there's any company to invest into, Robinhood, mm-hmm. like Robinhood before they go, because honestly. Companies sometimes are allowed to sell uh, sell pre-IPO stocks. Mm-hmm. Um, Robinhood is one of the most highly anticipated stocks, and if they decide to sell pre-IPO stocks only to the people who have Robinhood, that will force an influx of users to the Robinhood platform, boosting up their stock performance before it goes IPO. And also, it's just like a funnel of money where it's just like, you want to get pre-IPO Robinhood? join Robinhood. And now you have like actual investors who are 50 and up and not millennials moving some funds and portfolios to Robinhood because you only can put $5,000 or more when you have a $5 membership monthly. So I would say Robinhood is probably going to be the most important stock to be look out for slash investing. That's an interesting one. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, last question of the appetizers, which are just kind of like the intro ease into the interview questions. Um, who would you say some of your biggest influences growing up were? Who were your like icons? Oh, um, it's hard to say, like, um, of course you have your typical ones, like your rap ones, I would say, you know, just like Kanye being from Chicago in the production, you know? I mean, he sucks right now as a person, um, but it's like that's somebody, yeah, man, crazy. That's somebody who was an influence. But then outside of that, uh, I really don't thoroughly enjoy listening to that much rap. Um, I feel like it will stunt your creativity. Like if you're a rap artist, if all you do is consume rap because you're grabbing parallels of music from your own genre. And there's no influence in that. So, like, I do love, like, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Prince, the Commodores. Um, and I bounce between those genres of music just because, uh, like, Stevie Wonder. Yeah. My, uh, my parents yeah. saw that all the time growing up. Yeah, like, growing up, I definitely listened to it. And then I think when I got older, I just realized that I just enjoyed it. Like I could listen to, like I could listen to Stevie Wonder all day and I get tired of it. Um, so yeah, but rap wise influences, I think, I think I, I just really like the idea of artists producing their own music. So J Cole was one of those people. Yeah. Um, Little Wayne, you know, I feel like Lil Wayne was such a creative rapper. Um, and yeah, there's so many artists, but, uh, I would say those are good, solid. Cool. Jake, do you have any other follow-ups? Let's move along into the entree, yeah. the meaty part of the interview. Yeah? Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> Get ready. No, no, I, I, I just peeped that we just finished the appetizer. I was like, ah, damn, this is an interview. <laughs> We're getting deep. Um, so, Sam, who are some of your favorite favorite artists that you have recently discovered, or ones that have really like influenced or motivated you, kind of throughout the year that you look up to? Um, like I said, Liana Lahavis, I think she's amazing. Amazing singer, powerful songwriter. Um, Chef G, um, he just like, as far as it goes for that like drill, like that New York drill rap, I just really like his tone and just his delivery. And then um, Kenny Beats, uh, as a producer, I feel like Kenny Beats really put himself forward to be in a good place in music. And uh, he has a lot of knowledge that like you can learn from and i think that's always yeah. important to have like you know people that you're following that you can learn from yeah of Absolutely. course do you have any favorite songs or albums of the year so far yeah, that's that... the song of the year man what are the people sleeping on um hot box i think Do uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh don Tolliver's project is really dope but did that come out in 2019 or 2020 Man, I, I, on one hand, I feel like I, it was 2019, but I also can't tell anymore. No, <laughs> like yeah. Four years. Um, I will say, I really do like that new Drake song. Uh, yeah. I like that little Dirks on there. I like that it gives me like headline vibes. Um, and then I like Cardio, who produced it. He kind of, when he released it, I think he, it gave him enough confidence to outwardly say something that I agree by. And a lot of. A lot of producers are snobs, you know, they tell you what what counts and what doesn't count as a beat. And and this goes for anything, it's just whatever you're pursuing, you really just have to have a like general sense of self and be confident in what you do without it being interfered by some old head being like, That's not how you do it. So um I really like the new Drake song, for sure. Cool. Uh, from kind of that list of artists that you just said, are there certain aspects from those artists that you look like that you look up to that you try to kind of take bits and pieces of what they do that you really like and incorporate it into yours i don't know like you mentioned liana lahaves a few times and how she's a really good songwriter like are there certain bits and pieces of your favorite artists that you try to pull from to use in your own your own music um i do like how she like told her label like essentially like i want to record this album my way and they were like fine you know just go crazy so that part of it you know um but i i really do like how kind of just music as a career and not just music i do like the idea of properly putting forth longevity you know building something for yourself and i think that drake has done you can say what you want about him but it doesn't change the fact that he's a great businessman you know, like I'm not even the, the crazy thing is I became a Drake fan uh, when he dropped. If you're reading this, it's too late. And uh, I'm not even. Yeah, I'm not even like the most diehard Drake fan. It's just the that's, mere that's fact the that like. Uh, yeah, we got to get the code on here for. Speak to I, that. I just like I just, you know, like when you want to be something, you know what that something is and you see when other people are that. Yeah. And um, I think like one of the things I want to do is I do want to be a household name at some point and um, just kind of a lot of what he does resonates with me, whether it be his drink partnerships 
or like his um, his clothing or his label. You know, I really think everything's for the long game. So I really appreciate that about Drake. Yeah, and it's so much deeper than just like a businessman. Like the like the way he's able to like cultivate relevancy. You know, every two or three months, you know, just come back to the front line. Like that's that's like an understanding of the culture. You know what I mean? And like a, more than like, I I would say more than Yay at this point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yes, at the moment for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Sam actually produces all of his own beats. So Sam, what did you do first? Were you like a rapper first or more of a producer? Chicken and the egg, which one, which one came first? I was for a you? rapper. I was a rapper first. And okay. I do think that that helped me more than I can yeah. imagine because the best way, like, my guy, I work with him. He's my engineer, my brother, Banks. He was somebody who did both at the same time. And I think when I got into it, he relayed how it might not be the best idea. And I think it's because, like, when you're trying to be a rapper and be a producer, you're gaining, like, levels of skill, like 5% neck and neck. And you just keep getting a little bit better. But like when you find your sound, you understand where you want your production to meet it at. So uh, yeah, I started producing about three, four years ago. And um, yeah, I love it. It's the best thing. What was the that makes sense, I guess, that so you started rapping. My first track I produced was a song called Happily Alone, which was actually the fourth beat I made. And uh, I just knew at that point, like, yeah, I'm doing this forever. I'm like, I'm 100% set just because I was going through a writer block. And like yeah. at the time, I was just like living with my roommate in South Loop. And I was going through a huge writer block. And like I decided to like take two months and just do psychedelics. And um, that's what I did for just like two months to understand myself more. And uh, I got to a point where like I had an epiphany maybe that like I wasn't able to make the music I wanted to because I wasn't making the music. And it was such a, I was so separated from a process that is important for someone like me to grow on. So um, once I I bought the equipment and then spent a weekend reading the manual and just started going at it and <laughs> I loved it. That's crazy. Can you tell the progression, like going back and listening to those? For I mean, sure, yeah, yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, what, sorry. It, it's, it's so bad. Like it's like, if you go back and listen <laughs> to your like, the first year, my beats, like, you'll, the crazy thing is I'll go back and listen to them. And out of, like, 100, like, 95, I'm just like, yo, what were you thinking? But they were always, like, what keeps you going is there's always, a, you'll do 30 beats, and then you'll make one that highlights what you could be. You know, yeah. like, it, you make one that highlights your potential, and that keeps you going. And there was, I think, three, like, Happily Alone was that one where after, like, two months of making just terrible beats I would never rap over. I just made this one beat that I was just so proud of. And I was just like, yeah. when I put out the song, I was like, man, I hope people don't think this is whack. And people really liked it <laughs> more than like my other stuff. So I just was like addicted after that. What what, a, what advice would you give? So during your there? creative... Sorry, sorry, Josie. Um, sorry, no, go ahead. Slight, slight delay on the Discord. Um, what, uh, what advice would you give kids that are in a similar similar spot that you were back you know four years ago kind of like starting with the production you know what i mean trying to figure it out you know what i mean like 
Um, I think uh, I think that more than anything, people just need to get like it's okay to be bad at things. Like I don't know where, as a society, we thought that off bat everything. Wait, did I freeze? Nope. Oh no, I didn't freeze. You guys are just like still as, f and I was like, what? <laughs> um, I think. I think as society, we were so keen to like wanting to be great at something the first time off. And I'm like, yo, it's okay to like be bad at stuff and get better. Like that's the best part. It's like getting better because when you get better, it's way more rewarding. Cause you're like, shit, I'm like, even Josie with your graphic design, it was probably like some time where you were graphic designing and you're like, this is garbage, but now you have a little bit more confidence in what you're doing, you know? Yeah, well, everyone, like, wants to be a perfectionist. Right. Like, from whether you, like, just started on day one or whether you're, like, five years into whatever career you're doing, and it's, like, a hard balance of, you know, only putting something out that you're really proud of, but also, like, letting yourself learn and grow before you put that thing out to be, like, okay, I'm not just going to, like, give up when I've, you know, produced or done whatever 10 different times and I hate it all. But like, yeah, it's a hard balance of, you know, realizing in the beginning that maybe everything isn't going to be a hit and I just have to be patient with myself while I learn. Yeah. I and I think people are always too hard on themselves, but absolutely, you know, everyone's their own worst critic too. So it's hard to say. 100%. So in your creative process now, do you like, are you, do you have like lyrics or a story that you want to tell? first and then you produce or do you have like a vibe for a song or like a beat in your head and you produce it and then once you have the track you're like okay let's write the lyrics like typically I, I imagine maybe you do both but how is that how does that work in your creative process like now as you're a little bit more further down man I think it's like man the one like if I have a list of like you know deadly sins personally for me the worst thing you could ever do is write lyrics before you hear me i think that a song if like for me as a songwriter like i'll never write and like maybe i'll take a line or two but i will never write a song and then try and just put it on a beat on me because i feel like it. a, it's a dance you know what i'm saying so like you hear the beat and that beat you know it invokes a feeling or a message you want to get across and from there, you could deliver the right words. But like, if I'm like talking about turning up on like a beat like Marvin's Room by Drake, like that's not gonna mesh. It's just not gonna fit well together, you know? Like, so I prefer to always have the beat made first. I think it should always be you hear the beat and that will give you the emotion to write a song. So that's my process. And when I when I produce, I don't really like, I'm not gonna lie, I don't like, I'm not one of those producers who I'm like walking down the street and I'm like, it hit me, this beat. No, like sometimes I'll just crack Crazy open thing. my dog. Yeah, sometimes I'll be like, okay, what feeling do you feel today? And I'll produce something to that feeling and it'll bring the lyrics. But I'm never one of those like, I'll wake up with beats in my head. Nah, that's not me for sure. So have you ever written a song, you know, on a beat, right? But then you, you know, making a, a different beat that maybe does it even better and, you know, taking those lyrics and then, you know, done it that way? Or is it always like that beat, that song, like they go together forever? Like you've never taken. You know, yeah, you could, you could take, I, I definitely have taken, like, I've definitely taken parts of a song that I feel like fit and added yeah. into it. But the idea of like writing a whole song sure. and putting it on a whole separate beat, 
yeah, that's different. I might take like a entry into a verse part that was there to create momentum and it fits right. this dynamic. But I'll, uh, yeah. From start to finish, typically, like what are you looking at in terms of writing a new song? How long does that process take? I'm gonna be honest, it like, it really is one of those things for me where like it either hits or it doesn't. Like Hotbox came together in a matter of like an hour and a half, right. just because that's what it, like the whole beat, the song, that that's how it came to be. And then sometimes there are songs where I'll make the beat in like that 30 minute, like, you know, segment and I'll, I'll leave it. If I don't feel lyrics, but I saw how quickly that beat came together, I'll leave it. Cause all that means is there's a song there, it's just not for today. Like, yeah. I don't ever want to yeah. force anything. I don't believe that you yeah. should force creativity. I think. Does I think that happen where, like, you. Oh, you, Josie. Go, go, go. You go. <laughs> I was just saying, I think there's a bar okay, on, on Hotbox about eating steak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that a reference? Yeah. Is that a shout out to us, man? Yeah, that's, that's a shout out to the gang, bro. I've eaten steaks for yeah. real. Like, yeah. <laughs> I thought you would know that. Like I was making sure, man. Gang. The trivia just like rhymes. I got one. I got one. I got one over here, right here on the keyboard. I got one. Yeah. Got the got the hoodie, man. Merch ready to oh, go. Oh man, yeah. clean. Some random kid has uh has all these steak uh, stickers on these monitors I sold, and like he fo he follows you guys. He follows you guys now, and he reposts anything you guys like. <laughs> like anything you guys do, he'll be like hashtag steak worldwide solo Sam. But like, Let's go. It's adorable. Sorry for derailing, Josie. No, no, that's totally fine. I was just gonna say, like you said, Sam, you don't force things. So do you, you know, like have something that you're working on and then you break for the day and then you come back the following day and like, does it ever happen where you hate? something and you were like oh i'm not gonna move forward with this i'm gonna scratch it or vice versa where like you you don't like something and you're kind of getting frustrated and then you take the night off and you see it with fresh eyes in the morning and you're like okay where well, this is actually really really sick or how does that how does that kind of play out in terms of knowing when to take a break and you know yeah to be honest the, the, the beat will come to me in like 30 to 40 minutes like completion like that's the quickest part. The lyrics are what will frustrate you. And sometimes I'll know a beat's gonna be trash. I mean, like when I used to, sm I don't smoke anymore, but like when I used to smoke, I'd like, I'd be high as hell at night and I'd make a beat and be like, yo, this shit is the best. And I come to it in the morning. And then you look like, in the morning. <laughs> I was just like, yo, what were you on? And then like, I, I just got tired of doing that. So I'm like, yo, past a certain time, like I, I truly believe that like the sign, like when I was in college, I was a psych major and learned a lot about the brain and the idea that like you make better stuff late at night. Like that's just like, that's a mood that makes you feel that way. But honestly, you'll always make stuff. Oh. Sorry, you'll always make stuff. Um, you always make your best stuff. I feel like when your brain is the most fresh. And so that's what like, um, I love making music in the morning. Like I love like around one to two, well not morning, but like earlier in the day making music. I'm not really one of those people who will like make a beat like at 2 a.m. 
but I'll write a song later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, now we're going to move into some well done questions. This is, you know, a little bit further into the meal. We've got a good understanding of who you are, but let's get into it a little deeper. Jake, you have any other questions or move, no, moving right so. along? Okay, cool. Um, so you're from Chicago, which, you know, is obviously a really big, like, rising hip-hop scene. Yeah. How is that dynamic for you? Does it feel, you know, competitive? Does it feel really inspiring and collaborative? You know, do you feel motivation from being you know raised and grown up in that community kind of speak to speak to what it's like being being an up-and-coming you know hip-hop in in chicago um, it's it's kind of weird you know like i feel like chicago is very like clickish it's very scene like and there was a point where i used to like want to be a part of that but when mm -hmm. i saw how like segregated it kind of was like how like it was so clicky. I kind of stopped wanting that and just wanted to just make music. And as time went on, like, I ended up being a part of that just from, like, you know, just making music in Chicago, you know, after a while, it's just like you find yourself in it. But um, there's always just creativity. You know, Chicago is one of the most creative places here. Um, I do think that sometimes the competitiveness stunts growth between artists and, um, it's one of those things where like, you'll see a top artist out of the city and everybody's idea is to copy that artist's sound for like going that lane. And I just always, that's part of the reason why I don't like listening to hip hop on my free time is because yeah. you can't deny how heavily influenced you are by anything that you admire. So um, it's, it's always been um, competitive. You know, it's a little different for me because like, uh, I just dropped my first feature. Um, so the collaborative sense there is between like damn near my team, which is just uh, Banks and I. It's just, I'll make a beat, I'll record, send it to him, or I'll record with him. But he's really the only person who's in on my creative process like that. To the point where mm -hmm. like, if I'm making a song, he's the only one who hears it damn near before it drops. Like sometimes some of my friends will, but there have definitely been times where like, my friends heard it at the listening party with like the rest of the other people listening to it. Um, so yeah, I, I think Chicago has a lot of identity and presence in my music, but I try my best not to be so heavily influenced by it. Yeah, that's cool. Does creating like, you know, you're, I, I imagine that you're constantly creating, constantly writing, constantly mixing all that stuff. Like, does that, ever get too much or does it ever bog you down earlier in you know our chat during the podcast you seem like you have a really good schedule to kind of keep keep a good balance between you know your normal life and your music life but how is the balance between the two and how do you make sure that you're maintaining a good you know mental space while constantly pushing yourself to do better and be you know be bigger and create more and all that stuff um it's all encompassing so i feel like my routine is what fuels my music and my music fuels my routine. So <clears throat> the things I do that are outside of music help me make better music. And if I'm not yeah. doing those things, I can't make better music, you know? And if I'm making better music, you know, I'll be more inclined to enjoy my time. But if I'm not making better music, I won't enjoy my free time. So yeah, um, they kind of feed each other. And I think that's a healthy way it should where like, 
a lot of the things I do regularly. You know, I've never pushed forth an identity that wasn't me that I had to sustain. So gaining fans off of like, hey, he likes to cook and has a moped and plays with his dog. And that being the Solo Sam brand is is enjoyable for me because I never, I could go on IG story every day for the next year and post every single day without thinking about it. But people are like, that's so on brand. And I'm like, yeah, it's just my life. It's just me. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm never doing anything like, like, yo, look how great my life is. I just always put forward in my IG or my branding is that you have to find what your life is and live that for you. Like you really, I think Corona taught us, if COVID taught us anything, it's that you really do have to find out what's for you and do that in life. Because at any moment, if you're doing something for somebody else, you'll be gone. Yeah. Yeah. That really resonates with me. <laughs> um, <laughs> You sound like you're really, you know, independent and you talk a lot about like self-sustaining, uh, you know, practices. Do you find that you rely on, you know, maybe it's friends or family or, you know, a, anyone besides yourself to kind of get, get you through? Or is it more of like Sam's got to pick Sam up type of type of, you know, vibe in terms of like your mental health? maintaining creativity, a positive attitude, all that stuff. Like, do you rely on other people in your life or is it more so Sam's got it? Yeah, I feel like, um, to be honest, my philosophy about it is like in life, you'll have friends, you'll have family and you'll have partners, you know, and your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it may be. And like, there are times when you rely on different people for different things. Um, I do think that when it comes down to you feeling emotions of like, for instance, like emotions of like sadness or that you're not grounded, you need to go to your family members, your girlfriend, you need to go to your your friends to ground you. Um, but I do think that a lot of what I stand by is learning like to be more self-sustainable, but not be so, so like just going through like I'm not gonna just send myself through hard times because I'm trying to be tough. You know, as a black man right. in general in society, you can't just force that all the time. Um, so it's about finding a healthy balance. But I do think people need to know it's important that like you are your first line of defense. You know, so whenever you yeah. deal with something, you know, you build the right habits. You know, because even when uh, it was like two years ago, I was going through like terrible like anxiety, OCD type type things and like I had to stop smoking like I was just like you know what right now something's not right and I think smoking right now isn't helping so like I just took like two years of like kind of just being sober to like remember what it's like to just be that you know aggressively a part of life instead of being somewhat removed yeah um and it was the best thing I ever did you know I just a reminder of how you need to be more present. So, yeah. So, ever, like, if you move to Portland, let's say, like, does the thought of, like, being so far removed from, like, you know, your local network over the last, you know, 25 years or whatever, is that, like, a stressful thought? I feel like that, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of stresses me out. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> um, <laughs> if I'm being honest, um, I'm a very spiritual person. 
And I 100% believe like whatever's for you is for you. Yeah. And if I have that feeling to like go out that way, um, I believe it's for me. And at the end of the day, like nobody will make Solo Sam more successful than me myself. Right. And uh, I'll, I think, like I said, if it's if I'm not supposed to end up being an artist, then I'll move out to Portland and find that out. It, yep. But if I'm supposed to be an artist, I'll move out there and everything will continue to fall in place, you know? Absolutely. Nah, I like That's that. Cool. I like that perspective. So, you just got to, at some point, you just got to realize that, like, you're not really as in control as you think you are. And not even from just a spiritual standpoint, but just, like, at the end of the day, there are so many minuscule things we can control. I could stay here my whole entire life and it's still not work out for me. Yeah. So the idea that, like, you know, I need to be here for that, you know, like, I'll figure it out. You know, yeah. Well, sometimes a big. I love that. Yeah, sometimes a big change can just bring so many things that you can't even like fathom right now until you get there. Um, in in any direction, really, like musically, personally, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all for like moving to a place you don't really know much about and seeing what life throws at you. So, that that would be cool. I mean, Jake, you you moved here. You were in uh, Texas for a minute, right? Yeah, man. I mean, I think Josie. I mean, Josie was in Boise for a year. I think that that's the craziest one. Um, yeah, like you were in Boise. <laughs> Why? Yeah, my like... my job moved me out to Boise, and I. It was kind of like a a thing where you kind of like prep where you wanted to move to, and like Boise wasn't even on my list at all. <laughs> And then they were basically like, "We got a position for you in Boise. You're like, you're moving there, pretty much." It's, not really a choice um and i started bawling and i called my mom and i was like i'm no they're moving me to idaho and i was like just so upset i didn't know anything about idaho i had never been there i was going to be covering like idaho montana and utah for work which were three states that i had i'm like pretty well traveled and it was just so foreign to me and i didn't even think that was like an option and i was just so thrown off um and yeah, I mean, I, cause that was pretty quickly after college too. And in college, you know, we all had a bunch of roommates and a bunch of friends around all the time. And then I moved to a place where I didn't know anybody, not even like a distant cousin once removed or anything like cricket. Oh, I didn't know anybody. And it was a big adjustment in the beginning. Cause I live by myself. Cause I didn't know anybody. Right. So that was hard. That was like the hardest part was like going from all these friends in the training program from college, like just being around young people my age who are like minded all the time to like you're going to a city you don't know by yourself. So adjusting to living alone was hard. And I definitely had a lot of like sad, lonely nights where I was like, what am I doing here? Um, But now I like can't imagine that part not I can't imagine that not being a part of my story and my life. Like I was in, I was in like a friend's wedding that I met in Boise and she'll probably be in mine. Like I met the right people somehow, which is so hard to do, especially when you don't have like a partner in crime. Like it's easy if you have like another girlfriend or like another friend to kind of like, let's go out on the town tonight. Like you and me girl, you know, like it's easy when you have another person. So I, I think I just got lucky with like putting myself out there and, I like, you know, joined Meetup, like that app, and was like just desperate to meet people. And I, you know, would give my number out to like anyone that would like maybe want to hang out with me. <laughs> 
and like, like slowly i just started to like meet more people around town the community felt smaller and smaller like day by day and then i eventually found my people and it was yeah i mean it was such a beautiful place that i never in a million years would have like chosen to move to myself so it's cool that like you're making the decision it's not like someone's forcing you to portland like you're making your own decision even in, like, even in like what you said about kind of going to boise like that was a very formative experience for you you gained mm -hmm. a lot from it probably your whole experience in cali could have been different if you didn't make that move like you know even those hardships like you calling your mom and be like mom you know like when the pandemic hit in california where it's like peaked you could have just been like mom i'm leaving i'm not cali's not for me like the pandemic hit and uh that's what's so important is just no matter what it is is a formative experience and you know like yeah. i forgot who said but like on days like when you're dealing with that that's just character building days you know yeah and it's like you don't have to be in portland forever you can move and in three months if you absolutely like don't like it you can pick another random city to move to or just move back to chicago and you know oh, no, i, I love it i want to i want to i want to like die there. Like, <laughs> you know nothing it's just from the times that i've been because every time i go there like i'll be I used to go for like a week you at a time, then it's three weeks, then it's like, you know, for a little bit over three weeks. But like, whenever I'm there, you know, you just know when, yeah. you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a spiritual person and I kind of know when I'm there, like I'm at peace. And um, yeah. I, just, I just see myself like just getting a really nice ass crib there and just setting up my shop and just like, you know, building a family there and just being there. And like my family's still in Chicago, you know, I'll still come to Chicago, but um, I just am a person who, who enjoys my peace. And you know, yeah. that's that's important to me. Like part of language with everything else. Like I really don't care about like, you know, especially with music, like, yeah, sorry. Especially with music, like I don't do this to get like, high accolades and praise and money. I really just want to be able to sustain myself, you know, mm -hmm. change, change the way people view each other in the world and just be at peace, you know? Absolutely. That's awesome. Tuning or just getting back into like your creative process and music a little bit more before we shift gears to our nightcap, which looks really entertaining, but, um, in terms of like your personal growth, um, like what strides do you think that you've made with your music since, you know, your first big project to now? Like, what would you say, you know, you said you listen back and you hate everything, but you know, yeah. deeper than that, what, what strides and what growth can you attest from, you know, your first thing to current day? I just feel like more identity, maturity in the music. Yeah. You know, I feel like when I first started rapping, like I was coming off the Wiz Khalifa, Kid Cudi, Asherat scene where it was like, yeah. yo, let's party on the weekends. Like, uh, you know, we're going to live forever. And then, um, yeah, like, yeah. Um, from there to now, it's just more, I think if I showed my younger self the music, they'd be like, yo, you sound like you. You don't sound like yeah. somebody else. You sound like, you know, so that's what it is, is identity and maturity, so. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cool, and then with your new music coming up, what do you want your fans to know about it? You know, what should they be expecting from you? Is it gonna be something like that they haven't seen before or similar to past releases? Kind of speak to what's in the works. 
Um, I would say that the, the the difference between the music that I've been making and what I'm about to put out is that um, I think I'm be a, a little. The best way to say it is I I do think that I I tend to not let people in on a lot of things, and I think it would benefit me personally if I started relaying these messages that I believe for myself and that helped me find yeah. myself. So it's just going to be more of my identity is going to be the music. And when I say more, because my identity is a growth, it's just a level that's not just on face value and more just like, yeah, these are important things that I had to learn. I had to understand to be who I am as a person. And I want all of you guys to be okay with being you. So, yeah. That's awesome. Cool. Okay, well, we're going to switch gears. Jake, do you want to take the nightcap? This is kind of like a yeah. more lighthearted, kind of fun fun part of the interview. Yeah, so I think the idea oh. for the nightcap in the future is to kind of do, like, different games or something, right? But, you know, for this week, Dakota and I worked together you know, over the weekend to kind of put together a hot or not. So... You know, this, it's a kind of rapid fire response, right? And Sam, I know you're looking at the Google Doc. I'm not going to say them in that order. So, uh. <laughs> and you going to call me out like that, huh? <laughs> um, so I'm going to say something, right? I'm going to say something like hotbox, and you just got to tell me hot or not, right? And then, you know, okay. if you want, you can hot. expand on it. But... Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Uh, Brussels sprouts. Ooh. Depends on you cook them. Not. Nah. <laughs> NBA bubble. Uh, hot. That's the right way to do it. That's why they don't have COVID. So hot. Yes. Kombucha. Uh, hot. It's good. That's good for your intestines. TikTok. Not. <laughs> or not. Whipped coffee. Rest in peace, Vine. Yeah, true. Oh, not. Not, man, don't get me started. Not, we're just gonna say hard. Not, you're um, talking about that Dalonga or Dalgana? Yeah, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> um, live stream concerts, not Kid Leroy. <laughs> uh, hot, it's always, always good to see young people, you know, yeah, being creative. So, hot, it's crushing it. And last but not least. The baby. <laughs> mean, I rock with him. Yeah, yeah he's hot. I rock with him. He's not, right. you know. What do you think, Scooby? He no said problem. not. I said not. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I mean, what does a long-term dream look? For, you know, look for Solo Sam. Obviously, we've got the Portlands. We've got the new music. You know, what I mean, like. Where where are we gonna be in ten years? You know what I'm saying? Um, man, to be honest, mm -hmm. I'm trying to be a household name past like just rap. Like, yeah, I really do think there's a lot of. I really want to be known as somebody who's able to unite. Me. I really, you know, everything that's going on in the world is unfortunate. Um, I truly believe that people are so separated because they're so similar. You know. Like, have you ever hung out with somebody who's kind of like you and you're like, ah, you're kind of annoying to be around. 
Like, that's how I feel like everybody in the world is right now, where they're so, like, actually they're so similar that they're annoyed by others' tendencies of themselves. So uh, I just want to be a household name who helps unite people. Awesome. Anything else you'd like to shout out, man? New single? Out now? Yeah, shout out. Hotbox. Check it out. You know, uh, it's a great single. There's more music to come. There's a lot in store. Uh, Steak Worldwide, shout out, gang. We're making it happen uh, in 2020, 2021. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. And uh, where should people follow you? Oh, man, follow me at Solo Sam, Solo Sam uh, on Twitter. The real Solo Sam on Twitter. Solo Sam on everything else. Cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Sam. No problem. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Check back next week for uh, another episode of the Main Course Podcast and another interview. See you all then.